Mindfulness Mode 416. They knocked on my door. I told them, hey, I can't move. And uh, a couple minutes later, we're on our way to the hospital in Syracuse. Hey, Mindful Tribe, Bruce Langford here. Thanks for joining me again. Hundreds of guests have recommended books on the Mindfulness Mode podcast, and I've pulled together the 12 most recommended books into a short 14-page ebook that's free for you. It's called 12 Must-Read Mindfulness Books. Any one of these books can definitely change your life, just like they have for my featured guests. Download this great free resource at mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. As you know, I was at PodFest speaking there in Orlando back in March, and one of the amazing people I met is someone I interviewed right there on location at the event. And he is the guest that's coming up today. And what a story he has. And his story is about adversity. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode with Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Hey, Mindful Tribe. I'm right here at PodFest, as you know, and uh, I just had a, an interview yesterday I did live, and then I'm doing another interview live right here in my room at PodFest, and, and I'm just so honored to have met this gentleman. It's just going to be so much fun. I'm, I'm talking to this guy, and he's written a book, The Gift of of adversity and man has he been through it i gotta tell you he has an incredible story and well just to let you in on a little bit of that story the 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 subtitle of his book overcoming paralysis and pain to find purpose and can't you just feel that you know the fact that he has overcome paralysis that lets you a little bit little bit of information inside to know what he's been through and man he has been through an incredible journey and he's still on that journey so I'm really excited to share this interview with you and his name is Marcus his name is Marcus Arielis Anderson and Marcus are you in mindfulness mode today Oh, I absolutely am. Thank you so much for having me today, Bruce. I'm excited. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, Marcus, I always start with this question. I always ask, what does mindfulness mean to you? What does it conjure up in your mind when I say the word mindfulness? Bruce, to me, it's about being present, being completely present in the moment. So the way that we're talking right now, being completely present here with this, within this entire space is what to me mindfulness is all about the minute that we disconnect from that presence this was whenever we have a hard time you know actually interlocking what's going on with our minds so marcus you found yourself in atlanta being an amazing bartender just nailing it you told me this story and tell us tell mindful tribe what was going through your mind when you were you were in this place as a successful bartender and then later things happened tell us a little bit of your story marcus absolutely i was bartending in atlanta when i was working my way through chiropractic school and the goal was to take on as little loans as i could because you take in so much money trying to invest in yourself and invest in your future. And at the time I was married and I was in chiropractic school, like I said. So for me, it was about just trying to invest in the future, what I wanted to do with my wife at the time. But there's what we hope will happen. And then there's what we fear will happen. And then there's what really happens in life. So for me, um, 
my wife and I divorced, which was a big, powerful strike. But the other thing that really hit me hard was my great uncle was a big role model for me when I was growing up. My parents were divorced when I was eight and he passed away not long after that. So between both of those, I was really left sort of at this this low point, back to brass tacks, uh, questioning, why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Is this what I really want to do? Is this the purpose that I want to continue with my life for? And for me, it was a chance for me to really examine and to be mindful of that. And at 38 years old, I found myself broke and divorced. I thought, well, I've always wanted to join the military because my great uncle had a big ceremony whenever he died and it wasn't that the ceremony was so exciting more to the fact that it really reignited and reminded me that I'd always wanted to do this but I always found an excuse not to do it and at that age I had no excuses so I went to talk to the recruiter to see what we could do and uh, six months later I was getting off the bus at basic training getting yelled at in in infantry school so I was uh, really really happy I know that sounds silly but for me that's what I needed I needed that challenge I needed something to push me and uh, there's nothing more motivating than knowing that uh, you don't really have a choice and you just have to keep pushing through. I'm going to cut in here and, and go back to when you were a child, when your great uncle was such an influence on you. Tell me about that. What was that like? What was a day in your life like when you were like, say, six, seven years old and your uncle was such a great influence? There's a story that I share in my, my book and I'll, I'll share some of it with you. Um, because my parents were divorced, my I was with my mom most of the time and my dad wasn't really with me as much. So, but my dad had this incredible admiration for my great uncle and I knew that my uncle was in the war, but I didn't really know to the extent and I didn't understand in what capacities, but I could feel the way that he felt a presence for him that automatically just kind of reflected into me. He was the first one to take me hunting and we went deer hunting. It was cold. It was uh, in Oklahoma. And I remember trying to walk in his footsteps and it was pretty difficult and we had our little packs we had our rifles and we go out to our deer stand we, we were actually on the ground and it's starting to sleet it's starting to rain it's getting very very cold and we finally get there and he says uh, he looks at me and i'm trying to get the the thermos with the hot tea i'm trying to pour it and i'm just shaking and he looks out at the the clouds and he looks down at me and he says are you cold i said yes uncle i'm cold and i look up at him and he's just somber pillar right like this statue and i said uncle aren't you cold he's like i'm cold but i'm going to tell you the secret to give a little bit of background about him he was in special forces in vietnam he led recon led long-range reconnaissance patrols so he learned to be the center in the storm he learned to be calm he learned that the adversity around him didn't have to become him if he chose not to be within that chaos so sitting there with him and kind of, cause he kind of looked off as he said that and he took a sip of, of, of Joe and he says, do you think that the cold really cares about you? And you know, I'm about 11 and I kind of look up and I'm like, well, actually it probably doesn't. He says, no, it doesn't. He said, so what you have to understand is the reason why you're cold is because you're focusing on the cold. What you need to focus on is the intent, the hunt, the purpose. He says, if you keep looking at the obstacles around it, that's all you're going to see. But if you remember why we're doing this, you will always be forward thinking and you will always be mission focused. And he, that's what he said, because there was a fireplace and then there was like the hunt. He says, the fireplace is always going to be there because it was a warm fireplace that we had just left. He said, and that's a done deal. He says, but the hunt is something that you will not always have the opportunity to have. 
And the idea is we're already wet, we're already cold, we've already paid the price. So we might as well get something for our efforts. And that idea of just like modern stoicism, it just really set the tempo for everything else that I do. And so if I'm going through hardship now, I think about that and I'm like, do I want the hunt or do I want the fireplace? And uh, pushing for the hunt has always been the most important thing. And that's why I do what I do today. Wow, what a great story. And you talked later, well, you told us that later paralysis was uh, something that you had to deal with. And uh, we just had a chat here over lunch at PodFest and you were telling us all about it and what an incredible story. So tell us what happened with this paralysis and how that became part of your story. Yeah, so when I got out of basic training and got out of infantry school in 2012, while we were preparing to deploy, I was with uh, 10th Mountain at the time. And uh, I'd had some numbness in my fingers and my hands and my toes, but I just, you know, attributed that to being cold because we're outside and we're always training out in the elements because when you're getting ready to go to Afghanistan, you're going to be in the mountains. You had to be aware of this kind of, you know, adverse conditions. Having said that, I was having more and more trouble holding on to like the bar or if we were climbing ropes, I've been having a hard time doing that. And then um, eventually I woke up one morning and I tried to roll out of bed and my neck would articulate, but my body would not. And at first I thought that I was just sore, but it turns out that, and this is where the chiropractic training comes in from school. I did like a quick kind of eval on myself and I thought, well, either I'm just really, really sore or there's something neurologically going on here. And after a couple of minutes, I realized that it was something very serious. Luckily they were going to knock on my door anyway that day. They knocked on my door. I told them, Hey, I can't move. And uh, a couple of minutes later on our way to the hospital in Syracuse, they put me on the gurney, they're bringing me in and it's like, uh, for better or for worse, it's just like the movies where they're shining lights in your eyes and they're doing vitals and they're talking about you like you're not there and they're running down the, the hall trying to get you in there. They did the MRI and that disc had ruptured and it completely paralyzed me because it was compressing all of the, the information that was going into my spine. So those who know who Christopher Reeve was, that's where he was paralyzed at that same level. So they did the MRI. They're like, well, we're going to, we're going to operate on you pretty quick. So I went from waking up, not knowing what was going to happen to getting ready to get cut. And, uh, you know, I hadn't been in the hospital since I was born. I had stitches and bumps and bruises, but nothing to this extent. And, uh, the thing was, it was out of my hands. There's nothing I could really do about it. I asked him, can we just give me a shot and let me out of here? But it was a lot more devastating than what I had expected. So all I could do was, um, you know, count from zero from a hundred back down to, to 98. And then that's when I went under. Wow. What a story. And you tell that story in your book, the gift of adversity, which I know is an incredible book. What can we learn from your story? How can we become more focused and centered and grounded by learning about your story? There's nothing like having everything that you really cherish in your life being taken away from you. And there's so many things that we take for granted. And they say that you don't know what you got till it's gone, but that's not really true because we know what we have. The reality is we assume that we will always have it. And that's what it gave me. It gave me this sense of urgency and it gave me this sense of gratitude for all the stuff that we do have. And it's really easy for people to complain about how bad Mondays are or how they just live for Friday. But if they would take a really good hard look at what they have and how thankful they should be for those things, it would probably change the perspective. But so many times it's really easy to just sit around and uh, take those things, like I say, for granted. And 
the big gift of adversity is it shows you where you're weak. It shows you the chinks in your armor. In my TEDx talk, I say that um, adversity shows up and announced at the most inopportune times without apology. It doesn't care about what you want. It doesn't give a damn about your feelings. And it doesn't take no for an answer. The part of us that adversity hates the most is the weak part. And that's what it's supposed to do. Adversity is nature's way of strengthening us and making us stronger and making us more resolute. But you have to already have that mentality affixed before you run into the hardship. Because if you wait until you're in the heat of battle, if you're in the fray, and I tell you, hey, Bruce, this is a gift, you're probably not going to like it. You're probably not going to believe it. I guarantee if you or somebody came up to me when I was in that bed and said, hey, Marcus, where's the gift in this? And I said, I probably would have said a lot of bad stuff and I wouldn't be able to punch you, but I would spit on you because it's really hard to see it in the heat of it. But if you understand it now, before you get to it, this grants you perspective before you hit it in the future. And now you can start looking for the opportunity. Now you can start looking for the lesson. And if you do it like that, everything that comes into your life will be an opportunity to learn and it'll be a blessing. But if you don't, it'll become a hardship and a curse. I know that you've used your hardships and your lessons in order to coach other people and help them. Tell me about that. If someone came to you and said, look, I'm, I'm just having this terrible struggle in my life. I'm, I'm going through a, a, an incredible tough time. What would you do? What's your process? How do you help people with, with their lives? That's, that's a very powerful question. And the process itself comes down to, I have to figure out where they're at. Um, if they're in a place where this is where they can see, this is going to be an opportunity. That's what we'll fixate on. But if they can't see that yet, then we ask the questions to help them understand why, why can't you see the opportunity in this? And sometimes, and this is where it can get skewed. I've had some people that say, well, how can you call a person who was raped or a person who was kidnapped or a person who was beaten? How can you call that a gift of adversity? I wouldn't say that that in and of itself is a gift, but what it would do is it will hopefully show you sometimes the lesson from the adversity is to not let yourself get back into that same situation again. So if you're in an abusive relationship, if you're in a toxic environment and you continually find yourself being victimized by the same thing over and over again, the lesson is to not put yourself there anymore. Your lesson is to get out of that. The lesson is to give yourself an opportunity to grow stronger and not to just sit there and continually go through that pattern because until that pattern breaks, it's going to be impossible to have the perspective to understand where the gift in your adversity may lie. Marcus, you seem like an incredibly grounded man. You seem as though you have a lot of focus and you've got this, this kind of focus nailed in your life. Do you meditate? And if you do tell us what form meditation takes in your life. Absolutely. Meditation has been a really, really important part of my life. I've been doing martial arts since I was 11. So even then in the martial arts, they would put different kinds of meditation. For me, I just do like a modified Zazen and uh, I just try to let my mind open. I've done meditation where you try to focus on a specific thing. But for me, um, what happens, especially with what we do as entrepreneurs and, and coaches and speakers and authors or whatever you do, there's always going to be things bubbling under us. And if you allow yourself the opportunity to kind of let that steam off as it were, it allows everything else to kind of settle down. And that's what I do where I just let that stuff go. And a lot of people think meditation is where you have this complete empty mindedness and everything is perfect. And you're in at one that's yeah, that's, that's perfect when you can do it. But 
lots of times meditation is actually the act of attempting to meditate, losing focus, thinking about a song, thinking about a commercial, and then getting back into the state of trying to attempt to meditate again. That cycle in and of itself is what allows you to get into that mindfulness, allows you to get into that presence. And even if you do it for 20 minutes, if only even 10 seconds of it is that state of, of peace, you still won. And you are a winning, winning entrepreneur from the sounds of it. And with your book and everything, I want to know about your martial arts. Tell us about the type of martial arts you practice. I started doing traditional martial arts when I was 11. So Taekwondo and uh, Karate. And uh, while those may not be the most functional martial arts, the things I love the most about it was the idea of the the rigid discipline, the self-control, the humility, the honor, the integrity, the indomitable spirit that you had that was built into that, that work ethic. Then eventually I started taking uh, Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's martial art. I started doing that in uh, 1993. That's a long time ago. And I just really loved Bruce Lee's idea and his concepts of absorbing what is useful, discarding what is useless, and adding what is specifically your own. And I eventually got certifications in that. And I've studied Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, shoot wrestling, uh, Kali, which is the Filipino martial arts. And I'm honored to say that I'm also an instructor under uh, Bruce Lee's protege, uh, Guru Dan Nosanto. So I have direct lineage to Bruce Lee and getting to learn from a man who is... 84 years old who has literally forgotten more about martial arts than what I will ever learn and seeing the amount of just humility that he possesses and the ability to to learn and to thirst for knowledge that's uh, really what motivates me and not only in martial arts but in everything else that I do in my life Marcus it's easy to look at you and see how successful you are but what is your biggest challenge right now the biggest challenge is that even though I've been through all this stuff there's still difficulty. There's still difficulty in maintaining focus. There's still difficulty in making sure that the things that I prioritize are going to be the things that help the most people to 80, 20 that, right? So it's very easy to get people that want to talk to you or, or get pieces of your time, but you have to be resolute and you have to say, listen, I want to help this person. And maybe I can do that with my TEDx talk or with my podcast or with my book, or, or if they hear me speak, having said that, I have to see how I can reach the most people and get the message out there the most. So sometimes reaching out to somebody on social media, I may not be able to respond to that. But if I'm able to do more with what I'm doing and amplify those effects, that's the goal now because the the urgency that I have is tremendous because I know that the time that we have is limited. I think it's incredible that you're doing what you're doing to help people get focused and to help people get their lives on track. Now your podcast is called conscious millionaire epic achiever. And I know I'll be tuning into that podcast. I haven't heard it yet, but I will be tuning into that. So mindful tribe, check it out. It's called conscious millionaire epic achiever. And also check out Marcus's TED talk, his TEDx talk. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And the first one is this, who is one person who has impressed you in your life with a sense of mindfulness and helped to give direction to you? I I mentioned it before, but Guru Dan Nosanto, he started doing martial arts when he was five and he's willing to learn from anybody who is 10 years old to 110 years old. And like I said, that ability to be a vessel to, to learn has been the reason why I've been able to do what I'm doing now. And tell us this, tell us um, how mindfulness has affected your emotions. Mindfulness is what's allowed me to, to differentiate between what's real and what's imagined, what's the reality and what's fear. 
And that's where mindfulness comes in. It can help you step outside the situation, look at it logically, be mindful of what's really going on and not what my emotions or my ego is telling me to do. And by doing that, it allows me to have clarity. Marcus, we haven't talked about breath work, but tell us about breathing. What are your thoughts on breathing and how it has been an impact to you in your life? It's very important for meditation. And then recently this year, I started doing Wim Hof breathing. Um, I do the cold showers and uh, I'll, when I'm done working out, I'll do the cold shower and I have to Wim Hof breathe when I'm doing that. Of course, I step away from the uh, shower so I don't inhale it. But by doing that, that allows me to get that exposure and it gives you that three-part breathing. And then it, uh, it also kickstarts your day for sure. I'm smiling because I do Wim Hof as well. And I thought, you know, I should mention Wim Hof to Marcus and I thought oh he'll probably say like who, who is this crazy guy yeah <laughs> yeah well that's funny yeah so I I got my three or four bags of ice this morning and I'm like in there you know with my ice all in the bathtub and and I'm like I, I just can't get enough of this <laughs> it is amazing yeah absolutely uh so I want to ask you this is there a book other than your own and your book is called the gift of adversity. Is there a book that you recommend, which would help people with mindset or mindfulness? Man, there's so many books like that. The, the book that really kind of got my attention is an older book. It's called thick face, black heart by Chin and Chu. And for so long I had this mentality that you were either pragmatic or you were spiritual, that you were either you know, love Bud Light or you love Coors Light. There was like no in between, but that book kind of showed me that you can look at both sides of something and understand that maybe this side has 75% of the words or 75% of the answer, but maybe you have to take the, the empathy from this other side across the, the way to be able to put it together. And by doing that, that eclectic mentality, it left me open to all possibilities as opposed to being dogmatic about how I thought about something because that in and of itself is incredibly limiting. Marcus, I want to ask you if you have an app which you would recommend to help with mindset or mindfulness or maybe one that some of your clients use. Um, I, I have one that's for, it's a Tabata timer and it's a mindfulness one, but for a, a different kind of reason. The Tabata protocol is a, a sprint protocol and it's four minutes long. It's based on 20 minutes of just full exertion and 10 seconds of, of active rest. So if you're doing uh, burpees or if you're doing Tabata burpees where you're doing 20 seconds on 10 seconds off by the time you get to about the fifth or sixth, you know, round of it, you're going to want to throw up and your breath is going to be important. But what it does is it creates incredible presence. It creates incredible mindfulness at that point. So instead of being at this peaceful point, you're at the place where you're trying to redline as much as you can. But once you get through that, you learn a lot of resilience, you learn a lot of strength. And if you let yourself down, that's something for you to reflect on later. If you say, man, I, out of these eight sprints, I did seven of them well. Okay, so what held me back from doing it for the eighth time? Or am I holding myself back? Am I allowing myself this psychological pushback so that I don't have to do it? And then you start examining why. So that may be a little bit um, not in the normal answer, but I think that in and of itself, it still gives a lot of data about what we're trying to get done. And what is the name of that app? Um, it's just called Tabata Timer, T-A-B-A-T-A, -A -A, and then Timer. And you can just find the app store. It's free. And uh, you can do it with rowing. You can do it with throwing punches. You can do it with sprinting, running, whatever it is. But by doing that protocol, um, it was created by Dr. Tabata. And you're able to create the same effect of doing 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise in four minutes. 
And so it really forces you to, to push yourself hard. But like I said, it makes you kind of question yourself and that's where we start learning. Mindful Tribe, check out that app. That sounds absolutely incredible. Tabata Timer. Don't forget, because that sounds like it would be very, very worthwhile to check it out. So check out also the book, The Gift of Adversity. And how do we connect with you? How can we reach out to you, Marcus? Absolutely. You can find me at MarcusAureliusAnderson.com. Um, you can find my TEDx talk online for free. Just Google uh, or go to YouTube and the Gift of Adversity, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Um, you can find me on all social media like that as well. And then uh, if you want to grab my book, you can get it at my, my website or you can go to Amazon.com and find it there. And Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and I'm going to spell this out, but you can also find it in my show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Marcus Aurelius Anderson, Marcus is M-A-R-C-U-S, Aurelius is A-U-R-E-L-I-U-S, and Anderson, of course, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. So check out Marcus Aurelius Anderson. And uh, like I said, check out the show notes as well. Marcus, it's been awesome spending time with you. You're obviously a man who can really empower others and help people with their direction in life. Thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. Appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for uh, the, the time. And uh, I look forward to the rest of the weekend as well. My pleasure. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about the 12 must-read mindfulness books. Any one of these books can definitely change your life just like they have for the featured guests I've had on my show. All of these books have been recommended. They're the 12 most recommended books on Mindfulness Mode. Download this free gift at mindfulnessmode.com top 12 books. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.